Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and his church than when you tuned in. Merry Christmas, Real Life. It is so good to see you today. So excited to be together, to worship, uh, to hear God's word together. Believe that God got you here on purpose today and excited that you're a part of what God is doing. I want to introduce you to my new friend. This is James St. Clair. He and his wife, Mia, their three kids, just joined our team this last month. This is our new online campus pastor. And we are so excited to have James be a part of this team and excited for the leadership that he's going to bring. See, we started this online campus as a result of the pandemic. We never really had leadership around it. Now, as we're gathering in person again, we need somebody to faithfully lead this online campus, to be your pastor, to help you grow spiritually to become who God made you to be, to help us reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. So man, we're stoked to have you. So excited that God brought you to be a part of this team. Thanks. We are so excited to be here. I've met some of you. So hi to those who I've met. If I haven't met you, I'm so looking forward to it and continuing the mission that we are all on uh, together. Uh, just a quick note, just want to let you know whether you just tuned in or you've been following all throughout this year, you matter. Um, that's why we want to yeah. do this online campus because just because you're not able to join in-person gatherings doesn't mean that you don't matter. doesn't mean that we don't care about you. And so we're looking forward to find new and creative ways to reach you and help you reach other people continuing our mission. Uh, it is the Christmas season, as Richie said, and so we want to let you know about some upcoming gatherings. Uh, there are a couple of in-person gatherings that are happening. You can go to our website, wearerealife.com, to find the information, the dates, times, and locations for those. We are also going to be celebrating Christmas here online, and yes. so if you're not able to join an in-person gathering, uh, please tune in right here again on Friday, December 24th. We'll have services at 3 p.m., uh, 4.30 p.m., and 6 p.m., and so we hope you can join us for that. Uh, again, it is the Christmas season, and a lot a lot of people are, are in need of some hope. That's what this whole series is about yeah. uh, this year. Uh, but we want to let you know about some opportunities that you can help offer other people hope during this time. Yeah, we love to give financially around here as a church, as a people. Jesus people um, trust Jesus with their finances. We give 10%. It's called a tithe in scripture. Of the income that God gives to us, we, we give it back to him trusting him to take it, multiply it, and, and use it for massive kingdom impact. And so that's a practice of ours, but also in special times of year like this, at the end of the year, I know some of you are thinking, how do we do a year-end gift that's really gonna have an impact? I wanna call you to really invest this year in, in what God has given us here, this new online platform, this campus that is being established. We have over a thousand people tuning in every week right now. We have people in Africa and Asia. We have people all over the world that God has given us opportunity to love, serve, reach, equip, and um, we're launching a, an online church right now. And we've never done this before. Normally, when you launch a church, uh, it takes a couple hundred thousand dollars to do that. This one will be less than that, but that just gives you a reference point. Hey, we've got, we're in a step of faith. James and me are in a spot of faith. We're raising all this money to help figure this out. And so we want to invite you to be a part of this mission. Let's meet people in this digital space and reach them with the love of Jesus, disciple them, help them to grow toward their potential in Christ and see how many many thousands more people can know Jesus through this space. We want to call you to give that way at the end of this year. It's going to be an amazing opportunity. 
Man, I am excited for this message. It's a message of hope. And so I wanna pray. Would you get your Bible out? Turn to Matthew chapter two. It's in the New Testament. Uh, you can look it up on your table of contents, Google it, get your Bible app on your phone. Matthew two is where we are today. Let me pray. God, speak, lead, direct our hearts, God. We want you to fill us with hope, God. Pray, God, by your power, by your word, by your spirit right now that you would be filling every heart with hope. God, we trust you. Speak to us in your name, Jesus. Amen. Merry Christmas, Real Life. It is so good to see you today, believing that God is going to speak to each of us today as we are gathered together like this. If you're in your home with family, I pray that God meets you there. If you're by yourself, I pray God just makes himself real to you today. As we're gathered online, I believe that God works powerfully, and I am so excited about this season of Christmas. It's a season of hope. We've been preaching about hope the last couple of weeks. The promise of God fills us with hope. God is faithful. He always comes through on his promises. So everything he said, we could put our hope in. It's a hope that will never disappoint. Michael did such a good job last week walking us through the, the hope of heaven that it is an actual place where we are going for eternity for those of us that have put our faith in him. This is a hope that we can hold on to no matter what life throws at us. Today, I wanna to continue our conversation around hope. I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter two, if you have it. It's a continuation of the Christmas story uh, right after Jesus has been born. And I think there's a real cool picture and contrast in this story that I wanna to bring to surface because I really believe that we need hope to give us power right now. And, and power is strength, strength to endure, strength to keep going. When you think about what keeps you going, how strong you are, how encouraged you are, how, how dedicated and committed you are to life, to your marriage, to your kids, to your job. No matter what is happening, what keeps you going? I know for me, a lot of times it's a, it's a temptation when I feel powerless or weak to white knuckle life, to try harder, to push harder, to, to get more leverage, more influence. But I think Jesus has a way uh, that he wants to show us today, a way of power that maybe is unlikely, one that many of us haven't really seen or really chosen before. And so I'm excited about this story. As Christmas is just a few days away, I think about the break that I'm gonna get to have with my girls after Christmas, and I'm so excited just to be with them, to relax. We love to watch movies together. In fact, my girls got me into all these like Marvel movies. Anybody out there? Like in that whole world of um, the Avengers or Captain America or Captain Marvel, Black Panther. I think about all these heroes as symbols of power symbols of overcoming. And I like the stories. They're fun to watch. They're, they're very entertaining to kind of imagine and, and, and think about. But, but the world has a way of, of exerting power and authority and influence and getting through difficult circumstances. And Jesus has a different way. And I, I wanna bring this to surface today, but here's what I want you to get as we dive into Matthew chapter two, is that hope is power. Hope is power for your life. Hope is power to keep going. Hope is power to not give up. Hope is a power that you can hold on to and navigate every difficulty that you're facing right now. Every bit of discouragement that you feel, every insecurity that you're overwhelmed by, every bit of anxiety, depression, fear, 
anything that you have going on, I believe that God wants to give you a hope that is power to your soul today. I wanna show you in scripture. Look at Matthew chapter two with me today. We're gonna see a contrast in here that um, really is kind of a tale of two kings. And these kings handle power and authority and, and strength in two totally different ways. This is Matthew chapter two. This is the story of the wise men coming to find Jesus after he's been born. Verse one, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, I'm gonna read that again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. So here's king one. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They were saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews. You can imagine what this question would do in Herod's heart, in Herod's mind. Herod was this very rich, controlling official appointed by the Roman government who was occupying the Jewish nation, land, and, and he is there in this place of authority called the king of the Jews. And now here comes on the scene this other king, People are talking about a king. These people show up from the east looking for a king born in Herod's midst. Now, Herod was very insecure. He's very powerful, very rich, probably one of the richest men that has ever lived. He controlled all the spice trade of the first century. That would be equivalent to somebody controlling all the oil trade of today. That's a powerful man. That's a rich man. That's an authoritative man. Yet he, he was insecure. Anytime somebody challenged his authority, he would kill him. He even killed three of his sons, killed his own wife, had them all killed. Anybody, anytime somebody challenged his authority, he grows insecure. He tries to regain control, power, influence. So here comes this question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? You can imagine Herod looking around like, what, am I not the king of the Jews? Like, who is this? What are you talking about? And they, they reference a supernatural moment. We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. I, I'm sure this is just pushing all of Herod's insecurity buttons right here. There's a king and you saw a star and you're coming to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. You can imagine the people under his rule and authority are trembling at this point. Here is this ruler that's insecure, that exerts his authority in a very controlling and gross way by having people killed. And now he's challenged again. Everybody is on edge. Assembling all the chief priests, so he grabs all the religious leaders, the scribes of the people, and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. You guys are the religious people. Tell me, what's the prophecies? Where is this Christ supposed to be born? They told him, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler, this confirms his fears, who will shepherd my people Israel. So then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, now he's going about controlling things in his own way, in a worldly way. And he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem like spies. Go, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Not his motive at all. This guy is playing everybody, manipulating. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and being warned, here's a supernatural spiritual moment, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord, another supernatural moment, appeared to Joseph, this is Jesus' father, in a dream and said, rise, take the child, his mother, flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, furious, he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And you see this story with these two different kings. One is powerful, influential, rich, authoritative, able to exert his will, able to manipulate circumstances, situations, able to move secretly. He has this way about him of exerting power and authority and getting influence and trying to navigate a difficult circumstance. He's worried about his own kingship. He's worried about all kinds of things. Hearing that there's a king of the Jews that's just arrived on the scene. And here comes these guys from a distant land to worship this king. And at the same time, you see this whole other picture here of, of power and authority that God's plan from the beginning of time was to save mankind, to rescue you and I from our sin. And he was sending his son, Jesus Christ, to walk this earth sinless and perfect in our place so that he could eventually die on our behalf, pay the penalty, the punishment for our sin, which is death, and offer eternal life to every single one of us. God's plan was going to move forward no matter what happened on that planet, no matter what earthly figures and beings and kings and authorities tried to do, tried to stop, tried to thwart, God's will was gonna be accomplished. See, hope is power. And the way that it's power is not in a likely way or a worldly way or a way that you and I would really look at power. Hope is power in a spiritual way. You look at the work of God, showing up to a dream, in a dream to the, to the uh, wise men, to these guys that were traveling from afar, showing up in a dream to Joseph. He's orchestrating circumstances and situations spiritually. He's not exercising influence and power and authority and taking Herod out. Herod's flailing, even having kids killed. I mean, the, the scripture goes on to talk about the wailing that's heard all throughout that region as all these babies are being literally crucified, nailed to the doors of their houses, if you look at it historically. I mean, horrific. And for many of us, as we face challenges and troubles in our life, there's a temptation to find power the world's way to manipulate people, relationships, circumstances, to try to get things done our way in our timing with our will and our desires as the highest priority. Yet Jesus demonstrates hope that gives us power in a different way, power to believe, 
power to overcome, power to trust that God is in control and that his will will not be stopped. When I think about each of our lives, we need power right now. We need a hope that sustains us, that gives us strength through whatever we are navigating, through the hopelessness that many of us feel. We need power right now. And my encouragement and my hope through this conversation today is that we wouldn't choose the world's way of power, that we would choose Jesus' way, the kingdom way of power. Here's how Jesus talked about power in his kingdom. He said, the meek shall inherit the earth. I want you to think about this. In the first century, when Jesus made that statement in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's making a statement in the midst of a crazy political turmoil time where the Roman occupying force has absolutely consumed the Jewish people. And, and they are looking for a way out from underneath this oppressive rule. If you translate that word earth, it's actually land because the people of God had always been promised their land that they were gonna be inhabited and, and given to, to be fruitful in. And so they're always looking for a way to get back to that land or control that land or have authority in that land. There was a group of religious people in Jesus' day called zealots that were, were like fanatics that would almost militaristically try to take back the land from the Romans. It's not unlike some of the political parties of today that are like, we got to take back our country. We got to make it back to God's way, right? There's this sense of like, we got to rise up and we got to be louder. We got to be meaner. We got to be more powerful than everybody else if we're going to take back things into our hands. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. The meek shall inherit the land. Jesus has a totally different way for us to experience power. It's not in exerting ourselves, our strength, our will, our desire, our timing. Now, I was telling our team before we started recording this, just how much I need to preach this message to myself today. Because as challenges mount in my life and in your life, the temptation for me, real life, I gotta be real, is just to, to try to control things. It's to try to make things happen in my way, in my timing with what I want to have accomplished. God has been speaking to me so powerfully. Richie, stop. Meekness is strength under restraint. It's, it's submission under the authority and the leadership of God. It's trusting his timing more than my timing. It's trusting his plan and his purposes more than my desires and my way. And see, I believe God wants to speak a hope into your life right now and give you a power to overcome the difficulties that you're navigating, to overcome the sin that is enticing you and dragging you down right now. I love that hope is power to overcome. I love that you and I could look at a promise like 1 John chapter two and hear this from, from the author. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, what you and I are desiring, the, the, the desires of our eyes and the pride of life, None of that is from the Father, but is from the world. And listen to how he says this. And the world is passing away. The way the world does stuff, it's gonna fall apart. The power and the money and the leverage and all the ways that the world attempts to exert control and authority and navigate difficult circumstances, all that stuff's passing away. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, hope is a power to overcome difficult times, 
temptations in your life, when you want to rise up with pride, when you want to take matters into your own hands, when you want to try to figure out how to fix your marriage, how to fix your kids, how to change the work situation that you're in, when you're tempted to try to give in to a, an indulgence, to try to make yourself feel better or fill up with some sort of hope or, or, or happiness amidst all the craziness of your life, hope is a power to overcome. The same author says later in that same book in chapter five, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. If you've put your hope in God, you overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? It's our faith. It's our unwavering belief, our unwavering hope that God really is who he says he is. Listen to this. Who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? This is who overcomes, the one that keeps their hope, not in themselves, not in this world, not in anything we can do, but in the will of God, the leadership of Jesus, that he really is the savior of the world, that he really did come as a baby. I love the demonstration of Matthew chapter two because it's so unlikely that, that this little baby would be thwarting this massive kingly superpower that, that he's literally born right under his nose and, and totally upends the whole thing without a single act of violence, without a single negative word, without a single manipulative moment. It is completely God leading, saying, hey, I have a plan. I am going to save people from their sins. And this little baby named Jesus is going to be the savior of the world. No Herod, no worldly power, nothing of this world is going to overcome the will and the work of God. And you and I, we have an opportunity to put our hope right there. That's what he says. Who overcomes the one who believes, who has faith? Yes, God, you and your will, your kingdom is not going to be thwarted. No matter what life circumstances are thrown at me right now, nothing is going to stop the will of God. See, hope is power. Not for you to just get up and try harder and be better and work at it more. But hope is power when we believe that God has a purpose, that God knows you, he created you, he has plans for you, he understands you, he gifted you uniquely, and that he's working out this massive story of redemption of all mankind coming to know his love and his grace, and that he invites you to be a part of it is amazing. You and I deciding to put our hope in that inclusion and that opportunity to be part of the story, man, that's really where this conversation comes down to. Where are we gonna put our hope? Are we gonna put our hope in our own ability to, to be powerful and control situations? Are we gonna put ourselves, our hope in, in the power of God, the unchanging work of God that he and his will is going to happen no matter what happens on this planet? See, hope is power but it's kind of an unlikely power. It's not a worldly power. I love Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Hope is the power to keep hoping. <laughs> may, may he fill you with joy and peace in believing. Why? So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, God gives you his spirit. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he gives you a deposit of the spirit of Jesus inside you. And that spirit is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. 
that, that spoke to Joseph in this story, that spoke to these, these wise men that had traveled from another country, that, that was fulfilling and moving and working the will of God towards completion. See, that same spirit is inside you. And Paul here in Romans 15 is, is saying, hey, by the power of that spirit, you have the ability to abound in hope to be filled with hope to overflowing, not just kind of make it through this life, but hope is this power to keep hoping, to keep going, to keep believing, to keep trusting that no matter what happens in life, God's will is going to be accomplished. And see, I think of this Christmas season, it's so important for us to reflect back and go, listen, Christmas is a, is a, is a celebration time for us, the arrival of God's son. And here we are 2,000 years later still rejoicing over the will of God being accomplished. Man, if there's a hope to put your hope in, it's right there. That what God says, God does. What God intends, he accomplishes. Your will, my will, our timing, your timing, my timing. Man, none of that is a place to put our hope. There is no power in you exerting yourself. Oh, it might feel good to say the right thing or to, to get after that person or to manipulate a circumstance or to try to control a relationship. I struggle with this all the time. I am like Mr. Fix-It in my house. My wife's struggling, I wanna fix her. My kids are struggling with something, I wanna fix them. Any circumstance at work, I wanna fix it. Like, I just can't wait to fix it, make it better. And, it, and I find myself in these places of anxiety when I can't fix it, when I can't make it better, when I can't get it done the way I wanna get it done and the timing I wanna get it done in. I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me, speaking to us, Richie. <sighs> Allow my hope to be a power, but not a power in the world's way, a power in my way, in a spiritual way. And see, I think one of the, the things about trials that you and I are in right now is there an opportunity for us to be strengthened. Not strengthened in the world's way, but in the spiritual way. And, and I really believe that's something God intends through this pandemic, God intends through this crazy season you find yourself in. God intends to strengthen you. He wants to fill you with a power, a hope that is more powerful than anything this world can throw at you. See, the church has always been marked by suffering. Jesus' people have always endured through difficult circumstances. Who are we to think that we were to have a pain-free existence? That's pretty arrogant, don't you think? And, and, and here we are in a really difficult time having to make some choices. Are we going to lean into a hope that's from God? Or are we going to try to go our own way? Go a worldly way, Herod's way. Which king are we going to be like? The king of the Jews or the king of the Jews? <laughs> Which king are you going to be like? Here's my hope. Let me just kind of lean into this for a second with you. God wants to build a, a strength and a spiritual authority into your life. An authority that will help you navigate every circumstance and situation, a, a power that'll help you walk through whatever you're going to walk through, currently are walking through. And I wanna, I wanna help you understand the, world, the world's way of getting authority is looking for leverage. That's not God's way. A spiritual authority is always trusting that Jesus' provision and strength is gonna be yours. The spirit inside you, the Bible says that he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 
that his spirit inside you is going to empower you over and over and over again, that you're not gonna try to leverage people and leverage circumstances and leverage money and leverage things to get your way, but you're gonna trust that the spirit of God inside you is gonna lead you to the will of God, lead you to the purpose of God. This is what a people who are strengthened do. We learn to pray. We learn to seek God's leadership. Spirit, you're inside me. If you've given your life to Jesus, Spirit, you're inside me and you're leading me. What do I do with this relationship? How do I navigate this difficulty? What am I doing with this time? See, this is us trusting. God, you're inside me and you're leading. Your will is best, not my will. See, this is a, a, a strong people, is a prayerful people, right? That are, that are trusting God's leadership. The worldly authority is always looking for a quick fix. Our timing is the ultimate timing in a, in a world standpoint. But see, when you and I are building spiritual authority, we understand that trusting Jesus to work things out according to his timing and his purposes is best for us. We don't know the outcomes, but he does. And he has a will that he is leading to fruition on this planet and all of eternity. And you and I have a comfort trusting his timing, his leadership, his purposes, and not our own. It's just really that simple, taking matters into our hands or trusting his leadership. So let me help you build this spiritual authority in your life, this power to keep you going, keep you hoping, keep you believing as things around your life, in your life, continue to, to struggle. I, I really believe God wants to give us a power that can help us last through everything that's happening in our lives, everything that will happen in our lives. Spiritual authority is different than the world's authority. If somebody's trying to build worldly authority, they're looking for leverage, they're trying to gain influence and power and manipulate situations. But spiritual authority is different. It's built differently. You don't need more money, more power, more influence. You need more humility. I'll say that. If you're gonna build spiritual authority, you can't skip humility. The world's way is to skip to the head of the line. Spiritual authority is to, to patiently walk toward God's will in your life. Humility is the first piece of building spiritual authority. It's you understanding that, that, okay, meekness, God's leadership and God's way and God's authority, I'm gonna come under that. Every time I'm exerting myself, what am I doing? Making myself the center of everything. Meekness is to remove myself from the middle and put God's will at the middle of my attention, my affection, my life, my decisions. Humility is to not make yourself the most important person on this planet. You can't skip humility. You also can't skip faithfulness. Faithfulness is one day at a time doing what God asks you to do, loving your wife, walking with your kids, trusting that God is gonna work through you in your school and, and, and doing your homework. Just doing the thing that God put in front of you to do right now with every bit of effort that you can possibly do. God has more things for you than what you're doing right now, but he is the one that decides the timing of those things, the way those things come about. Faithfulness is to trust that he is going to bring those things about. And God, you gave me this bit of obedience I'm gonna do everything I can to be as faithful as I can with this thing that you told me to do until you tell me the next thing to do. 
And that's really faithfulness, one day at a time, one decision at a time, one conversation with your spouse at a time, one homework assignment at a time, one day at work at a time, one project at a time, just doing it with everything you've got. You can't skip faithfulness if you're gonna build spiritual authority. And finally, you cannot skip surrender. Surrender is all the time. It's emotional, it's a mental decision. God, you're in control. Your will is, is going to be accomplished. Your purpose is God, not mine. Surrender over and over and over again. Jesus said it so clearly. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to learn to be last and least. Not always trying to exert yourself and your will and your power and your influence. God, I'm trusting that your will is going to be accomplished. And I want to be a part of what you are doing, Jesus. When I think about hope as power, there's probably not a more powerful picture that comes to mind for me than a martyr. When I think of a martyr, somebody that is literally being killed for their faith, this is the most powerful place you can be. It seems weak, right? It seems actually the opposite, that they're actually losing their life. But when I think of a martyr, they're, they're literally in this space in their, in their heart and their mind that says, I don't fear what you can do to this body. I'm gonna face death head on because my hope is in one who has the power of all eternity. This is what a martyr is saying. I'm not gonna give up on his love and his leadership in my life because his power is greater than any power you think you have over me. Life and death are small measurements of power. That's what a martyr thinks. Spiritual authority is greater than worldly authority and suffering, real life, has always been a mark of Jesus' people in Jesus' church. And they, the people of God have the capacity to stay strong no matter the circumstances that they face. That's the kind of hope that, that, that God wants to put inside you today. Paul had this. He understood the 2 Corinthians 12. I love how he, he just shows us behind the scenes. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul writes this, to keep me from becoming conceited, self-centered and prideful because of the surpassing greatness of revelations. He's receiving messages from God, words from God, pictures from God. He's writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And so in order to keep him from becoming conceited, a thorn, he says, was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me, again, from becoming conceited. Three times, he says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Please, God take it away three times. But this is what Jesus said to me. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, real life, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Not my power, not your power, but the power of Christ may rest upon us. He says, so then, uh, uh, for the sake of Christ, I'm content. Listen to this. This is like a martyr right here. This guy was eventually killed for his faith. 
I am content with weakness, with insult, with hardship, with persecution, with calamities. I am content for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, this is a hope that is power for your soul, power to endure, power to continue to believe that God has a plan and his plan will not be thwarted, that God has a purpose and he's inviting you and I to be a part of it. See, the temptation is for us to jump ship on the power and the purpose of God because it's too hard, because we don't see the end, because we don't understand it. It doesn't make sense from the world's way. And and this is an invitation. Christmas is an invitation to trust that there is a hope that can give you power to endure everything that has been going on, everything that will ever go on. That's the kind of power that hope can give you. Hope to keep believing, trusting. God is good. He's in control. He knows you. He has so much in mind. God, we believe. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, you see every heart right now. God, I do ask supernaturally that you would fill us with hope that your kingdom would come, God, that your will would be done, that whatever we can't see and can't control, God, we would be content with. God, forgive us for taking matters into our own hands. Forgive us for putting hope in ourselves. Forgive us for putting hope in the world's way of exerting power and authority. God, we choose your way. We choose your kingdom. We choose submission to you, surrender to you, humility before you. We choose meekness, God. We choose your way, Jesus. God, I pray that hope would just be filling every heart that's here with us right now today. God, for those that don't know you or are coming to know you right now, God, give them the courage to say yes to your leadership, God. And as they surrender to you, God, would your spirit fill them with hope like they've never known before, God. God, would this Christmas be a a season of hope like we've never known before. You're so faithful, God. You never stop. Your kingdom never stops. Your will never stops. Your purposes never stop, God. Give our souls rest in that truth today, God. We worship you in your name. Amen. I'll say this. If you are putting your faith in Jesus Christ today, his spirit is coming right now. As you surrender, his spirit is coming inside you and filling you with hope. Your next step is to obey Jesus' leadership. He calls us to be baptized to proclaim him as our king and to demonstrate our faith in him through this act of baptism. We wanna help you take that step today. Every time in scripture, somebody says yes to Jesus, they are baptized on the spot. So no matter where you are in the world right now, as you are a part of this uh, experience with us, we will help you. We will help you take that step today. Reach out, get on our prayer line, talk to somebody in the, in the chat, wherever you gotta get, get that next step ahead of you, get it. We wanna help you. All of us, listen, spiritual authority is different than worldly authority. Let's go the way of Jesus' kingdom, his authority in each of our lives. May his hope fill you with power today. I love you so much. Let's worship Jesus together today. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.